0: And welcome to the Emirates MBD Market Matters podcast. I'm Khatija Haag, Chief Economist and Head of Research, and this week we're going to talk about all things shipping. Over the last couple of months, we've seen inflation surge across most developed markets, with US inflation reaching 5% year on year in May. While a lot of this is due to reopening frictions, some of the increase is due to high shipping costs, which have surged over the last 12 months because demand for containers has outstripped supply. Now, we know that the increase in demand has been driven by consumers spending their unemployment benefits and stimulus checks on things, partly because they've been unable to travel or go out to restaurants or enjoy other entertainment because of pandemic restrictions. Most of the things that people have been buying, furniture, electronics, toys, and their component parts, are made in China or other parts of Asia and have to be shipped to the buyers in North America, Europe, and elsewhere. So I can understand why the volume of global trade has rebounded so quickly over the last year. But I have to say, I don't fully understand why there was a shortage on the supply side of the shipping industry, especially when just a few years ago there was excess capacity. To talk through some of what's going on in the sector, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Redwan Ahmed, who is the Head of Investor Relations at DP World. Hello, Redwan.
1: Hi, Khatija. Thank you for uh, inviting me to this podcast.
0: It's an absolute pleasure. It's such an interesting topic as well. I mean, container rates from China are almost four times what they were pre-COVID. So I guess the first question is, where have all the containers gone?
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, um, it's an interesting question, actually. And uh, right you say, I think one of the things about the shipping industry is for the last 10 years or so, there's been an oversupply of, of vessels and capacity. Uh, and shipping lines have been uh, uh, struggling financially. Uh, And now it's completely the the opposite, really. Um, So I think the key thing here is that, uh, as you can imagine, uh, as we approached the pandemic, uh, there was an expectation that uh, there was going to be a significant weakness in the market. And at that stage, um, the shipping lines took capacity out of the market. Um, so that was in uh, March and April. And as you rightly say, the, um, the Western governments with the furlough systems uh, and the government support meant that demand was actually much stronger than anticipated. So there was the initial kind of bounce back where everyone was spending money on physical goods, buying exercise bikes, uh, upgrading their homes. Uh, so there was the initial demand surge. But I think the key thing here is also that, as you rightly say, most cargo arrives from Uh, Asia and into Europe or the U.S. Uh, And and typically uh, there's an imbalance in terms of containers. So you have a container that's filled up in Asia, comes to Europe or U.S., gets unloaded, and then it heads back to Asia to be refilled again for the next order. Uh, And typically there's a cycle of, say, 30 days for that to go and come back. And during COVID, because of all the disruption, um, these containers ended up staying longer. Um uh, warehouses were not getting emptied. You've had uh, a lack of uh, truck drivers picking up containers. And because there was a shortage of containers going back to Asia, that meant that any available container was in high demand and and that resulted in a much higher increase in 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 rates for containers. So you can imagine there's an imbalance in containers. and 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 just to actually to build a new container, there is a time lag, and, and it's taking maybe three to six months. So I think eventually things will be okay, but for the for the meantime, there is a lack of containers, and, and that will continue probably for until um, fourth quarter or early next year is kind of our expectation.
0: Okay, so it sounds like you think the issue is the shortage of containers rather than a shortage of ships. Now I had read somewhere that there are currently more ships on order than there were in 2019 and 2020 combined. So given that presumably these vessels take a couple of years to make, are we setting ourselves up or is the shipping industry setting itself up for excess capacity again in two or three years' time? Or or do you think these higher shipping costs are, are here to stay?
1: So look, that that is a risk. Um, historically, there's uh, the shipping lines have been quite bad at managing capacity. So the, the capacity growth historically in the last ten years has probably averaged around eight to ten percent, uh, whereas demand growth has be, been between three to four percent. There's been a large imbalance between supply and demand, and 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 that's resulted in very weak uh, rates. Now, having said that, one of the things that we're seeing is that the typically a, a vessel may spend a day or two uh, at, a, at a port and then it'll move on to the, the next location. Uh, and given the demand at the moment and the uh, disruption, uh, lack of uh, employees or, or shortage of containers, these vessels are spending more time um, at a port. So that's taking supply out of the market. So I think for the, for the near-term picture, uh, I don't think there's an oversupply. Um, but one of the things I think the shipping lines have learned is that they, they are they are able to manage capacity better uh, and one of the reasons for that is that over the last 10 years there's been consolidation in the sector so maybe 10 years ago there were 30 to 50 shipping lines uh, now effectively there's probably a dozen or so who are, are meaningful in any way so I suspect that whilst the current rates uh, are not going to stay uh, at the elevated levels I don't think we'll ever go back to the levels where they were maybe 18 months ago really so I think there's going to be probably an equilibrium somewhere in between where there is a softening of the rates uh, but uh, not the uh, rock bottom uh, where they were uh, almost two years ago.
0: Okay, so importers have to get paid more for uh, shipping their goods over than they were even two or three years ago.
1: Yeah, it's amazing really, isn't it? I think um, in the past, um, there, there was this uh, concept that actually if, if rates go up, Demand is going to really weaken and I think one of the things this pandemic has proved that Despite the really high increase in rates demand has held up really well So I think that I think the industry has learned that actually the the sensitivity there um, the, the price elasticity there is uh, is not as uh, greater great as we thought historically really. So that's that's I think that's one of the things that's interesting point here that Somewhere someone's absorbing this cost um, and, and demand is re- remaining relatively high now I understand this is kind of under special circumstances and um, question is will that be maintained but I think there is an expectation that whilst, uh, as, I, as I said earlier these high rates will not are not going to stay but um, there's no need to go back to that uh, uh, rock-bottom prices but the question is can can that uh, discipline on, on supply remain uh, and as you rightly say there's, there's been a host of new orders or vessels Um, And and it'll be interesting to see how the industry manages this uh, going forward.
0: Okay, can we look a little bit at our region? And what are you seeing in terms of uh, trade volumes in in the UAE and and in the GCC relative to to the rest of the world where we have seen on average globally, probably about 7% growth on an annual basis, um, You know, let's say in the first quarter. Um, are we seeing more than that in our region, less than that? And, and what are you expecting over the next 12 months?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, our first quarter volumes globally were up uh, 10% uh, and I suspect the second quarter is going to be even stronger. Um, I think globally the expectation for the container trade uh, anyway, is for around eight and a half, 9% growth for the year. Now, um, a lot of that growth um, is between Asia and the US where the US market is, is particularly strong. Uh, we are seeing uh, a very strong bounce back in Europe also. Um, so, so the markets where there's been uh, a significant government support um, in terms of the furlough systems or unemployment, uh, those are the markets where we're seeing a very high uh, levels of demand. I think for the region here, we have seen growth, which is positive, um, but uh, it's—I would say—it's been more moderate. Uh, we're seeing kind of uh, low to mid-single-digit growth uh, in this part of the world, and which is not a surprise. I think, obviously, given uh, that um, in, in this region we've seen, whilst there's been government support, it's been not been uh, similar to uh, Europe or the U.S. in terms of furlough unemployment. So, I think uh, in this part of the world, there's been obviously uh, potentially a reduction in in terms of the uh, um, population, and that's probably resulted in a level of a lower level of demand. But the good news is that the first quarter has uh, seen a level of growth, and I think the outlook in terms of what we're seeing um, in terms of green shoots or recovery, um, uh, in terms of how particularly the UAE, where we're seeing lots of interest from corporates looking to set up here. Uh, one of the things about uh, COVID that we are seeing is, is in terms of structural change in the market, it is the, probably the decentralization of supply chains. Um, so today, Asia is the big producer and exporter to the rest of the world. And I think one of the lessons that we've learned from the pandemic is corporates do not want to have such high concentration risk in, in one particular market. So we are seeing lots of corporates who are looking to do more regional uh, distribution hubs. Uh, and obviously, Dubai and the UAE fits well into that in terms of in terms of servicing, kind of India, Africa, and the GCC. So, yes, I think today we're seeing more moderate levels of growth. But uh, in terms of the outlook, we think it's uh, particularly positive over the next three to five years.
0: That's pretty interesting. Um, hopefully, you're right, and and we do see more manufacturers looking at at creating hubs in the region rather than simply using it as a as a place to unload and offload. What are you seeing now that uh, the sanctions against Qatar have been eased? Are you seeing uh, some of that trade coming back to the UAE?
1: Yeah, look, I think uh, uh, for us uh, at DP World, um, we were uh, impacted by that um, uh, blockade in 2017. Um, On an annualized basis, we lost around a million containers to you. So look, I think, from from a um, supply chain perspective Dubai and Jebel Ali is very well placed to service uh, Doha, uh, Qatar um, and when the blockade came in um, we, we obviously lost uh, not only the volume but other kind of supply chain uh, customers as well within our Jabalali Ali free zone um, and so the good news is that obviously that's been reversed um, and um, we're starting to see some of that come back already actually so we've been I think we've been positively surprised uh, at how some of that business has come back. Um, look, we don't expect all of that to come back um, overnight. Particularly, we think it will take time. Uh, it's been four years, so new supply chains have been created, new re- routes have been uh, have opened up. Um, but uh, from a cost perspective, uh, we're obviously very competitive, um, and historically that's why it's been used. So, so we we are conf- quietly confident that. Uh, a decent chunk of that will come back. And uh, I think year to day, we've seen a uh, pretty good, uh, in terms of number, really. It's been above our expectations in terms of that trade with, with uh, Qatar coming back. So, yeah, so we're quite excited about that uh, decision to, uh, um, to, uh, um, to end that blockade.
0: Um, have you seen any interest from Iranian companies, uh, or sorry, Israeli companies, even um, that are looking to expand into new markets? Given the agreements that were reached uh, towards the end of last year with the UAE and, and Bahrain, um, and on the Iranian issue, that the fact that potentially we have a, a, another JCPOA or a resumption of the uh, the trade deal that had been in place uh, pre 2018. Um, is this something which potentially will will benefit trade uh, through the the Dubai Hub?
1: Yeah, look, I think one of the things I said uh, in terms of the outlook for uh, for Dubai, UAE, and, and, and particularly for us in Jebel Ali, um, was about kind of the, the structural changes in the market. But obviously, this uh, the end of the blockade with Qatar obviously is is another catalyst, and one of the things, as you rightly say, is uh, is is this uh, the Abram Accord. We've seen um, significant interest um, from Israeli companies uh, in Dubai. I think the, the trade between Dubai uh, and, and Israel, um, I think, has crossed already a billion dirhams um, direct trade between the two nations. So, it's, we've had a really positive start in terms of trading. Um, and I think, whilst it takes some time for companies to set up here, the level of interest that we are seeing um, is, is pretty significant, particularly from tech companies, um, so, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting uh, development, um, so, so we, we, we are also excited about that. And in terms of Iran, look historically it's been a, been a very strong trading partner, uh, the sanctions has, have meant that the, the currency has weakened over the years, uh, that's affected, impacted their buying power, buying and selling power, uh, population size of 80 million, historically a very uh, kind of strong hub for trading via Jabal Ali. So I think any, any sanctions being eased there um, will have uh, a very positive impact on Dubai. Um, so so we, we are kind of keeping a close eye on, on, on how that develops, really. So again, I think if all of these things come together, uh, it points to a very positive outlook for, uh, for, the, for the region and particularly for Dubai and UAE.
0: Um, just taking a little bit of a, a sidestep, um, a few years ago, DP World made an investment in Hyperloop. And there was some discussion about potentially the new technology changing the way that the port operates and, and speeding up perhaps the offloading and onloading of, of big cargo ships and, and potentially reducing costs and speeding up the, the time taken. Is this something which is still on track? Um, how are you guys looking at, at the Hyperloop technology and, and whether it's, it could potentially meaningfully change the way that you, you operate?
1: Yeah, look, it's, it's a very interesting piece of tech. Um, the, the other interesting thing about uh, Hyperloop is that it's, it's completely clean in terms of energy. So it's, it's obviously um, uh, uh, electrified. So from a CO2 emission perspective, it's, it's zero. Um, the idea is that eventually uh, Hyperloop will deliver cargo at um, the, the speed of flight, uh, but at the cost of trucking, effectively. That's kind of the idea um, in, in the in the long run. And I think, um, again, this pandemic has shown that uh, kind of air travel um, has, has, has become more challenging. So I think this could be a, a fantastic solution, really. And I think one of the things we looked at um, initially was often the container will come into our terminal and, and there is not enough space in the terminal to actually store these containers. So there's an evacuation process. And this today involves trucks coming in and out, really. And the idea was what we can do is via this uh, Hyperloop, uh, we can uh, extract um, the containers or the cargo into somewhere in the desert and then the trucks will pick them up there really. So that's kind of the logic. I think where we are with uh, with Hyperloop is that, very exciting, um, a few months ago, we had the first uh, passengers travel there um, on, on Hyperloop safely. Uh, I think the testing is still ongoing. Uh, it will be a few years before, obviously it's uh, developed uh, for, uh, for use. Uh, from a, uh, um, a consumer perspective or commercial perspective. Uh, but yeah, our investment uh, is, is ongoing. Uh, we continue to test the product uh, and we remain uh, very kind of optimistic about um, what it can deliver in the long run.
0: Thank you very much for your time, Redwan. It was really interesting chatting to you and and hearing about what you guys are seeing in terms of of local port activity and growth and volumes and also what you're expecting over the next year or so. I would imagine that the trend towards e-commerce, which is something which we've seen globally move up a notch, um, you know, I know that this region is is behind uh, the developed markets in terms of e-commerce penetration, but that's one of That's been one of the the fastest growing sectors over the last year because of the pandemic. So I would imagine that potentially uh, that trend of people buying stuff online, having it shipped through uh, into the region and and staying here rather than uh, being shipped onwards somewhere else is hopefully one that will also continue to drive growth uh, in in our regional markets as well. Um, So thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you and hopefully we can have you on again at some point perhaps when Hyperloop eventually gets online.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Redwan. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks.
1: Okay. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Market Matters from Emirates MBD. And thank you to our guest, Redwan Ahmed from DP World. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast and will join us again.